Welcome to the NJ Criminal Podcast and part two in this series. One of the reasons why I wanted to have you back on to, to talk about this, um, unfortunately at the end of March, uh, he was just charged with another murder, a murder of a 15-year-old yeah. uh, girl, child, uh, Mawa Dumbiwa who had gone mm -hmm. missing in October of 2016 out of Newark, um, which yes. would have, she went, I don't know the exact date she went missing, but it would have been once again prior to uh, Sarah Butler's death, uh, but, but likely prior to Tiffany Taylor's interaction with him. Yes, it appears we were originally told from the prosecutor's office it would have it was uh, in August, which likely would have put it ahead of the attack on Robin West. Now, the, the, uh, when he was charged, um, the prosecutor's office changed it and said it was October 7th, 2016. So kind of in the middle of his other attacks. Um, this uh, Mawa Dumbia was, uh, as you said, a 15 year old girl. Uh, her family appears to have been a uh, uh, immigrant family from Northwest Africa, and um, she had been interacting with Wheeler Weaver on a uh, some kind of online app, and um, she was last seen leaving her home in Newark, family's home, and uh, less two and a half years later, her remains were found badly decomposed in a in a carriage house in Orange, an abandoned carriage house. Uh, there again, the remains were so badly uh, damaged that it took a long time to identify it. Um, I think what is uh, it points to another thing that's rare about this case. Wheeler Weaver was um, very, very impulsive. His, his attacks came so quickly that at, at times we journalists and editors working on the story had a difficult time keeping them straight. Uh, keeping the timelines straight because the, everything was happening right, you know, the same day he would be uh, interacting with and trying to cover up and trying to plan multiple murders. It's, it's hard to keep a timeline straight and so much is happening so quickly. Um, and the other thing that is notable about it is that the age range and the kind of demographic range of his victims and targets, I mean, the fact that this uh, girl was 15 years old, um, and then he also targeted uh, sex workers in their 30s, that he met them through all these different apps and in person. Um, most kind of serial criminals seem to have a modus operandi that they follow, and his seems to have been almost entirely random opportunity. What do we know about Khalil Weaver? Um, I'm sorry, what do we know about Khalil Wheeler Weaver uh, that that may have that may shed light on uh, on some of this? We do know some. I spoke to some of his I spoke to his best friend. I actually met his best friend, Richard Isaacs, for a completely different story before I'd ever heard of Khalil Wheeler Weaver. Um, and I also interviewed a number of his uh, high school classmates. Um, the, the impression that I got is one that honestly is similar to other, uh, um, mass murderers that I've, uh, about whom I've 
done interviews where most of the people in his high school knew him as a kind of a nerdy guy, um, preppy. Uh, his parents were both uh, employed. You know, he grew up middle class. Um, and, you know, that's that for his high school was pretty rare. Um, uh, in Orange, a lot of the, the, the kids were influenced by street styles and whether they were like, most of them were not drug dealers, but drug dealers and rappers were very much the cool people to emulate. And he didn't do that. So he was kind of looked down upon, didn't date um, a bit of a loner. But then you talk to his friends, um, Richard Isaacs being the primary one I found, who said uh, Cleo Wheeler Weaver is, is very quiet. But once you get him talking, Richard Isaacs described him as really funny, really dry sense of humor. Um, to try to overcome his nerdiness, he started DJing parties and uh, recording music. So uh, he, he was also a, you know, a tall, good-looking guy who uh, was researching. His, his, his family members worked as police officers around New Jersey. So uh, as he was committing these, these murders, he was also uh, checking online to say, to see what are the requirements to take a test to become a police officer, which is Unbelievable. terrifying if he had yeah. been actually able to succeed at that. Um, and these, these searches would be back to back. He would search for things such as what's the most efficient way to knock someone unconscious. And then his next search would be, how do I become a New Jersey police officer? Right. You mentioned something in the uh, article, really he, a Google search of uh, how do I how do I poison humans? Very yeah. Disturbing. What's the fastest way to knock someone unconscious? What's right. the fastest way to kill someone? Um, so, I, you know, it seems as though he was obviously. I mean, it, it, even if one were to remove for one moment the the fact that he murdered and attacked all these people, he seemed like a confused young man who didn't really know who he was and was kind of growing into himself. Um, in person, he's uh, tall, good-looking. I mean, I think his insecurities about being able to get along with women would have passed in time. You know, mm -hmm. uh, once he got to know himself, I think he would have done fine. Did he um, always did live he in New Jersey? As far as you know? Yes, to the best of my knowledge. Uh -huh. And as far as you know, are there any other uh, unsolved murders in the areas that he uh, frequented uh, that are open that may be under investigation in terms of whether or not he was the perpetrator? That's a good question. Uh, we haven't looked for cases that fit this MO um, on the presumption that we don't want to... Um, mm -hmm. Even right. for a convicted murderer, we don't want to be the one. We, we would like to have such allegations come from prosecutors. Right. Well, we'd like to. We'd like <laughs> um, to think that hopefully someone is looking into that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds. Yeah. You know, obviously, with the charges involving Mawadumbia, um, it appears the case is not over yet. That case has not been scheduled. Um, I keep checking every couple of weeks to see. You know, the other case schedule. Will there be a case? Will there be a trial? Um, and we don't know yet. Right. The case obviously attracted uh, national attention. Um, kind of. Yeah. Not what, really. No. Well, what, <laughs> what, what 
What has happened uh, since the writing of the article in terms of uh, interest in the story? Let me let me take it before the trial and after the trial. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, first, um, when I discovered that there was a serial killer on trial in Newark, an easy train run from Manhattan, I went in to the court uh, assuming it to be mobbed and, you know, that we would have to get on a list, that we would have to fight our way into the courtroom to get a seat. There was no one in the courtroom. Unbelievable. Uh, there was a reporter for the first couple of days from the Star-Ledger, NJ.com, um, but she was pulled off the case within a couple of days. What do you attribute um, that to? Racism. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, all of it's, you know, it's very, it's, it's pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. um, all of the New York TV, radio, uh, cable, and, well, I won't say cable, I don't know about cable, but TV, local TV, radio, and newspaper reporters and editors who work on crime knew about this case. And the way we know they knew about the case is because they showed up to the vigil held for Sarah Butler at the beginning, and they all showed up for the guilty verdict at the end. None of them covered the middle. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, that's because for everyone involved in the case was black, and with the exception, I believe, of Sarah Butler, I believe you can call that an exception, uh, all were sex workers. And if one of the victims had been a cute blonde girl, um, this would have been one of the crimes of the century. No uh, doubt. Instead, we were the only ones in the, in the court case, and I think that's a travesty. Um, so then after we published this, um, you know, and I... I I, I, so I, I take a little bit of credit in saying mm -hmm. that's a, a terrible story, but a great story. We need to cover mm -hmm. it. And it didn't really cross my mind that like, oh, everybody is black mm -hmm. um, in all, all the main characters black. And so credit to my editors for agreeing with me on that. Um, after we published this long story, the reaction was quite different. Um, I've done some stories that received some attention from producers of podcasts, movies and TV shows. I've received a few calls over the years. Um, this one was completely different. Um, I received dozens of phone calls and emails from producers. Uh, everyone with a byline in the story did. My editors did. People at Gannett, a corporate who owned the record, they received inquiries. Uh, must have been over 100 producers and production companies um, approached us about acquiring the rights to the story. What, now, what, what is so, it that you attribute the shift to? Uh, I mean, you I, and, and, and listen, yeah. I, I, read, I read your article. It's, it's, a, it's a, a, a fantastic rendition of uh, obviously a horrific series of, of, of events. Um, and and it's, it's written in such a way that the, the truth of how he gets finally captured is is evident right it's it's yeah. through mm -hmm. you know it's through in this particular case the not the police but through as i've already said the women yeah. that were involved mm -hmm. do you think that that is what makes this what you know when you when you when you tell the story it's pretty darn clear now, i didn't watch the trial i don't know what the prosecutor's theme was or what his opening or closing what he said um, but but 
uh, certainly in, after reading your story, it's, it's obvious. Um, do you think yeah. that, that that's what, it, what, what it's from, what the shift in uh, interest is based upon, the fact that you, you, uh, you know, you've shown the spotlight on these very brave women? Yeah, I think it's a couple of factors. I think our story definitely helped uh, to put the spotlight on this overlooked story. Um, I think that there's a whole uh, intellectual property industry of producers and, and their employees who go looking for uh, awful and crazy crime stories. Mm -hmm. And I think in this instinct, that type of person, that type of people with that type of job had better news instincts than journalists did. I think news journalists, at least in the New York area, were playing by the old rules of mm, black sex workers will go to the guilty verdict. But we're not going to cover this trial. And um, people in the IP industry uh, helped along by our story. I, I, I think I, I think our story was kind of like a, a wayfinder. I think people found that first. And then once they did the double take, I think a lot of them did their own looking into the case as best they could because the trial was already over um just understood that's a whale of a story and we want to tell it right i'm always a a big proponent of putting together you know the timeline right and here we've got obviously looking back with 2020 vision the timeline of how and 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 when he committed the murders of these three women. Um, but what is more interesting is the timeline of how he was discovered, right? Um, yes. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what, that's the, that's the compelling story here. It is. Yeah. Of, of how, and that's how we uh, wrote the main story that we wound up producing was to say this, you know, we, Journalism, journalists have done too many serial killer stories. Um, this was a rare opportunity for us to turn the table and say the story here is the women, the victims and the, and the survivors. Um, they are the heroes of this case. They got in, involved in ways that we've never heard of women, victims and survivors getting involved. Um, and so let's make the story about that. Uh, and... And you I, did. I think that that recasting. Yeah, I think that I do think that the journalists who knew about the story and didn't cover it were looking at the case, who was charged and, and the victims and saying, well, you know, that's as the uh, Star Ledger NJ.com reporter. And well, the reporter was outraged. But as as the editor said, you know, nobody's reading the story. Um, they were actually, according to this uh, reporter, I haven't gone back and looked at the comments myself, but she told us in the courtroom as we were talking on her last day that the only comments that she was getting on her stories were from racist readers who said, eh, you live in Newark, what do you expect? Mm. Which is incredibly racist and also mm -hmm. wrong because uh, only one of the victims um, – lived in Newark, only one of the meetings ha started in Newark, and none of the murders happened in Newark. So right. um, I think racism fueled a lot of the early response to this story. Right.
Right. And now we know there is a, an, a another individual who he is alleged to have killed a child. Yeah, it's just absolutely tragic. Um, right. And and we only know the because we haven't had a had a day in trial yet. Um, we know the bare bones of that case, uh, but we know nothing like we do of the details of the other victims. Right. But I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, we we know that because of the actions of these very brave women that you uh, highlight, no one else is going to be killed by him. Yes. I mean, after his arrest, definitely. Uh, a question that we continue to ask ourselves and has been answered by the charges regarding the death of murder of Mawa Dumbia is how many other people did he murder that we don't know about? Right. Um, but when after he was murdered, uh, after he was sorry, after he was arrested in, in December 2016, definitely everything stopped. Right. Um, so that's good. did you did you watch the whole trial or, or a bit or most of the trial? I didn't know about it for the mm -hmm. first two days of it. OK. Uh, and then after that, actually, I'm not a court reporter. Mm -hmm. uh, we had we had uh, we had a couple of court reporters. Our, our court reporting team was a bit in flux during the time of this trial, um, so I kind of uh, held down the main court reporting for about a week, and then um, our uh, main courts reporter came in and relieved me, so that I could go out and start finding, uh, you know, Robin West's parents and friends. I did a lot of street reporting and, and find I found Tiffany Taylor. Um, so right, that because that's the story, right? Yes. Right, that's the story. Yeah. I, somebody had to be there in court, and if we had been smaller, shorter staffed, I would have stayed in court. But since we had a more experienced court reporter to call on, that freed me up. And and it wasn't just me. We had a whole team. My editors dedicated, I was tracked, maybe six other reporters to this. Mm -hmm. uh, not all full-time, but... Um, there was a time when this consumed a large chunk of our newsroom between the reporters and the photographers. Um, they really gave it every resource we had to make sure we had it buttoned down. What's next? Will you continue to follow uh, the case and the trial, presumably, of Mawa Dumbia? Yes. I'll be uh, actually on Monday, I'll be reaching back out to the uh, uh, spokesperson for the prosecutor in Essex County was very helpful um, asking her for any updates on trial dates. Um, I did spend a week and a half uh, in Newark uh, just, uh, you know, after the charges were announced involving Mawa Dumbia, her murder um, in April. I spent about a week and a half in Newark and in the Bronx, where public records showed that there are members of uh, people named Dumbia with the last name of Dumbia. I found a lot of Dumbias. I didn't find um, anyone who knew this case or knew Mawa Dumbia. Mm -hmm. uh, so I do hope to find them ideally before the, the trial starts, if there is a trial, um, to learn anything we can. Because as I said, we, we know so little about this, this poor you know, right. child. So we, we do not know how uh they would have interacted the prosecutor's office in their release did say that uh he targeted uh mawa dumbia online mm -hmm. i forget whether they said it was a dating app or whether it was just online app um 
So we know the barest of that, but I, I don't know what that looked like, um, what he told her. Sir. I thought one of the most chilling lines in your article was uh, when uh, one of his victims uh, messaged him, you're not a serial killer, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was Sarah Butler. Mm-hmm. That was a, in terms of the conversation about um, uh, national coverage, that did get a blip of national coverage. When we broke that out of the trial, uh, there was a surge of stories, but but everybody aggregated that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody, nobody, that, even that, Sarah Butler writing in a text to a serial killer, you're not a serial killer, right? LOL. Um, LMFA, LMAO, actually, she wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, even that <laughs> didn't get anybody to show up. Uh, so, yeah, but it was just um, because she had a bad feeling. She went to meet him. Uh, she was planning on meeting him. And then she said in her text, your voice and the photos you sent me don't seem like a match. So I freaked out and I didn't go. And I And she said, I feel really sorry about that, but. I'm scared. Right. Right. Apologizing to him after she chose to meet him. Right. Yeah. Well, I I thank you for, you know, your really thorough, um, you know, I say investigative reporting, but it's, it's more than that what you did here. You know, you were able to, uh, you know, as, as, as all reporters do, go through the facts and, you know, lawyers do that too and create the timelines and all that. But you were able to kind of filter through the, uh, the details that uh, others in your, in your position uh, overlooked uh, or didn't want didn't to get into um, and, and were able to really uh, find the true story, uh, the true story Thank of you. these women and the, and, the, and the true story of their friends and sisters um, you know, biological and otherwise that, um, mm-hmm. that ultimately, uh, put him behind bars. Thank you for that. Yeah. They're really, um, the, the trial here was really complex. The timeline was really complex. Um, and we, once we got through with that, however, um, the writing of the story, the figuring out what the story should be about. I mean, the writing of it took some time, but um, it, it was very clear pretty quickly. The story has to be about the women, and it has to be gripping. We've got so many gripping stories to tell. Starting, I mean, we wanted to start with catfishing, but then we've got a very rare survivor in Tiffany Taylor who's able to describe in detail how she's um, fading in and out of consciousness as he's attacking her and nearly killing her. Um, we decided we, we had to go with that as the, as the beginning of the story, just to really show his menace and her resourcefulness. Um, and from there, it just um, flowed almost naturally. Right, and thank um, God she was. Thank you, yeah, I'm really glad. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she's got a daughter. She's got uh, a mother who loves her very much. She's got a, a really difficult life still, mm-hmm. but um, she has people who love her, yeah. And all of these women did, and do. Wow. 
Thank you again for sharing this uh, incredible story. Um, Thank you. I really disturbing, upsetting, but uh, again, you were able to uh, highlight the uh, these women, and uh, I thank you again for coming back on the show to uh, to share this with us. And I invite you back. Uh, get, you know, I, I know that you've indicated you'll be following following this. Uh, and if uh, there's any any developments, I invite you now to come back on and and share those developments with our listeners. We'll do. Yeah, I'll keep you updated, and your listeners updated when we when we get some updates on Mawa Dumbia and the case with uh, Wheeler Weaver, especially if he comes back to court. Uh, I will let you know. Thanks again, Chris. That concludes our conversation and this series. Don't forget to subscribe for alerts. You're going to love our upcoming guests. This podcast is not a source of legal advice. No two legal cases are the same. Contact an attorney if you require legal assistance. 